Welcome to Core Struction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Today, I'm coming to you from the FEARS Laboratory at the University of Oklahoma in Norman, Oklahoma. I have with me uh, Dr. Royce Floyd, who's a professor here, and Omar Yadik, who is an undergraduate student here, right? Can you talk about what you all do here at the laboratory? So here at FEARS Lab, we do primarily structural engineering uh, and concrete materials research. Uh, and all of our work is intended to try to create structures that perform better, that last longer, uh, that, you know, can survive better in the, you know, ever-changing climate of this world, as well as, you know, better serve the people, uh, you know, of the U.S. and elsewhere. Uh, and there are about five or six professors that work out here doing different types of, of research. We've done structural steel research. We've done uh, reinforced concrete, pre-stressed concrete. Um, but, you know, to kind of describe it in a nutshell, we uh, build structures, we break them, we see how they perform uh, and try to use that to do things better. And uh, one of the tests that we just watched that uh, Omar here was working on, uh, you guys were adding pressure to, uh, concrete beam. Um, and can you talk about what, what that was, uh, Omar, like what you guys were doing? Mm -hmm. Just okay. talk on that. Yeah. So yeah, basically we, this is one of the projects that's been happening like for the past like seven years, this beam was out there for seven years for corrosion purposes for studies. Um, we're basically trying to see how the beam would fail, what kind of, um, failure mode uh, will happen to this beam. So this test is basically we uh, put pressure or load on the beam and we'll try to see if there will be some boiling failure or is going to be like flexural shear failure or shear failure. And I think Dr. Floyd, you can like maybe talk more about it in terms of the research. Yeah, so there are a lot of bridges in Oklahoma, especially, that are, are reaching the end of their design lives, you might say. So they're 40, 50 years old. Uh, and a lot of those bridges uh, have damage at the ends of the beams that result from you know being out in the weather for all that time, uh, for de-icing salts coming through the bridge deck onto the ends of the beams. Uh, that causes the reinforcement to corrode. When reinforcement corrodes, it expands. Uh, it spalls off the concrete, so it blows chunks of the concrete off the beam. Uh, and we wanted to see how that type of damage to the beams uh, affected the strength, you know, over the life of the bridge. Uh, and, you know, kind of the inspiration was just driving around and seeing this on the beams. And uh, a student and I went to about 20 bridges or so across the state that we had identified uh, as being from that time period. And we saw these same things over and over again. Uh, so we then put together this plan to build some you know, replica beams uh, that are scaled down to about half the normal size. Uh, and then to expose them to that kind of an environment uh, with very aggressive conditions for different time periods. And so we started with beams that didn't have any damage associated with them. So they were basically, you know, right out of the factory. Uh, then we had ones that we had exposed for three months, then six months, then a year, then three years. And then the ones we just tested had been out there for seven years. And so we were trying to, you know, get different uh, conditions along the life of, say, a bridge. And, uh, 
you know, we found some really interesting things and it seems like there's some point where uh, a little bit of corrosion at the end actually helps us uh, get a little more strength. Uh, but then once we lose enough of the concrete, that starts to go down. Uh, and we, you know, wish we had, you know, three or six or 10 more of these we could test so we could find exactly where that point would be. And, and you guys can build your own beams here, right? You yeah, can... so we have the facilities here uh, to do fairly large-scale concrete construction. Uh, and, you know, these beams were pre-stressed beams, which is typical for bridge girders. Uh, and we have a pre-stressing setup here at Fierce Lab that we can do up to six pre-stressing strands at a time. Uh, so we can get a pretty good scale size beam. We can never build a full-size beam, but we can build small-scale specimens to test in the lab. So, and, and you said that the corrosion actually add some strength, at least on the front end, right? But on the back end of that, it, is there, there's a different well, issue? There, there's a lot going on there, <laughs> especially when we're corroding reinforcement, reinforcement that's under tension, like in these pre-stressed beams. Uh, but for the specific failure mode that we were examining, which is shear in the end region of the beams, yeah. uh, it's often controlled by the strands pulling out of the concrete. So the strands have to be anchored into the concrete to, you know, act as a composite to work together to re resist the loads. And by loads, you know, for a bridge, that would be the trucks going over it. Uh, but, you know, when we tested the undamaged beams, those strands just pulled away from the concrete. And that was the failure mode. Uh, as we started to corrode the beams, it seemed to take more and more load to pull those strands away from the concrete. So it was almost like the corrosion on the strands uh, was maybe providing a little bit better anchorage uh, between the steel and the concrete. But then we've tested some full-size beams that were, you know, 45, 50 years old, and we saw that, you know, with pretty extensive damage, that actually happens earlier than what it does for an undamaged beam. So somewhere in between, you know, the seven years we've tested and the 45, 50 years for out in the field, uh, you know, that original increase in strength turns into a net decrease. Oh, and can you talk about how you simulated? So for these specific beams, uh, we placed them outside. Uh, we had a, a tub of water that we had mixed in about 5%, uh, just table salt by weight to get a chloride solution. And then we would use a pump to just spray water onto the ends of the beams, like say a bridge deck joint was leaking onto them. That's what we were trying to simulate. Uh, but we just had, you know, a, a aquarium pump uh, to a perforated hose uh, that would spray water on the end of the beam for, say, 30 minutes. Uh, then the pump would cut off uh, for a long enough time for the beam end to dry, and then it would start over. And it just did that over and over again uh, for, you know, several years. And, you know, we would have to fix the pumps occasionally, but uh, it worked pretty well. Now, um Dr. Floyd, the way I uh, came across you was uh, working on the Eufaula Bridge Project, uh, which is still ongoing with the ultra high performance concrete. Can you talk about how, how you got involved in, in that? Uh, so this specific bridge, uh, yeah, I can, I can talk probably more about ultra high performance concrete than you would want to hear. <laughs> but, you know, for this specific project, it kind of goes back several years. And uh, I had worked on ultra high performance concrete or UHPC when I was a PhD student. And then when I moved to OU, we started doing some small stuff in the lab. 
Uh, we went after some various uh, funding opportunities uh, and we got a project from the state DOT to develop some UHPC materials using uh, you know, raw materials you could get in Oklahoma. And so we worked on that project. We looked at you know, several different possible uses of UHPC, both you know, the stuff you can buy from the manufacturers as well as locally developed materials. Uh, we did you know, bridge deck joints uh, that are similar to the ones on the Eufaula bridge, but they're intended to be expansion joints. Uh, and actually the, the Eufaula bridge is gonna have some UHPC at the expansion joints, very similar to what we were doing with ODOT. Uh, so, you know, we were working on that project and we did a demonstration here at Fierce Lab uh, that I think David and Jeff, uh, so David Jarvis and Jeff Roberts came down to the lab uh, and participated in our demonstration, went to the kind of the seminar that we did. And that started this discussion about the Eufaula Bridge that Jeff was working on. Uh, and it happened that ODOT has a program uh, where they can, uh, you know, get some of our research expertise into specific problems that they have um, pretty quickly. Uh, and so we applied for that program um, with Walt Peters, one of the, the engineers at ODOT, uh, to allow us to be part of that project at Eufaula to provide you know, some input, uh, answer questions uh, that anybody had, uh, also just to be on site for ODOT as kind of a, an observer. Uh, and it's been a really interesting project to, to work with uh, that fits in really well with a lot of the work that we've been doing in the lab. And so since that first project that those guys came out uh, to see, you know, we've done some uh, bridge connection testing here at Fierce Lab with UHPC. Uh, we've done some additional material development uh, here. Uh, and, you know, one of the most interesting projects we've done recently is actually related to the beams we were testing uh, today where we were looking at, could we repair one of these damaged ends with UHPC? Uh, and unfortunately uh, for you guys, we finished those tests up a couple months ago, uh, but we had damaged beams very similar to the damage you saw today. Uh, we encapsulated those ends with UHPC uh, and then we retested them and we saw that we could actually increase the strength significantly by using UHPC as a repair material. So you can, you can patch concrete with it and potential, I mean, do, do you get the, the same strength as, as, as before, I mean, before it broke or? Well, so for the test that we did, uh, where we, we encapsulated the entire end with about an inch and a half thick to three inch thick, uh, you know, coating, you might call it. Uh, so it, it was a little bit more extensive than a patch. Uh, but we, actually saw a 40% increase in the strength compared to what the original beam could do, uh, which surprised all of us uh, a little bit, uh, but was a very exciting finding. Oh, wow. So the implications on that are potentially that, I mean, you could, you could use this to, to strengthen bridges that are, or materials that have, that are in use at some point. I mean, potentially. That, that was our objective. And these results seem to indicate that that would be possible. And, you know, obviously we need more work to get there and we're still working on, you know, getting those results published. Uh, but it was very promising to begin with, kind of like, you know, the, the joints on the Eufaula bridge, you know, use UHPC and we can create a stronger joint material than the surrounding concrete. Uh, you know, we're kind of using that same concept for a repair. 
and using the fact that UHPC bonds very well to the conventional concrete. What What are some of the other types of testing you can do with here at, at the lab? Uh, so we can do just, a, well, I won't say just about anything you can imagine, but we've done all kinds of things where we've built our own test setups. So, you know, within reason, the sky's kind of the limit. Uh, but the, the stuff we do most often uh, is we do a ton of concrete materials testing. So compressive strength, uh, modulus of rupture, elastic modulus of concrete, all of the you know hardened concrete tests. Uh, right now we're running creep tests on some specialty you know low shrinkage concretes. Uh, so we do a lot of that kind of work. We do a lot of beam tests. Uh, so we can uh, with our strong floor. Uh, and our existing load frames, you know, we can set those up to routinely do uh, up to about 400,000 pounds of load on beams. Uh, we've also been able to do some column tests uh, by turning those columns sideways, uh, laying them down on the floor and loading them laterally. Uh, so we've done some really large scale column testing. Uh, we've been doing fatigue testing on concrete uh, slab joints, uh, primarily using UHPC, but using some other materials as well. Uh, so we've got, you know, setups to do those. Uh, we have faculty members that do uh, dynamics testing. So using some shake tables that simulate uh, earthquakes. Uh, he's doing a lot of work with isolation systems right now. Uh, so he does a lot of those types of tests. Uh, we can do, you know, tension and compression testing on just about any material that you can think of uh, outside of concrete. Uh, and then we have uh, a... Uh, we'll say geotechnical lab that's housed down here uh, that has facilities to do up to almost full-scale retaining wall testing. Uh, so, you know, those are kind of the things that we do a lot right now, uh, but we just hired a new faculty member who's working with fiber-reinforced composites, uh, and so she's setting up a laboratory to fabricate those, to do testing on that material. Uh, so we're constantly expanding our capabilities uh, and then we also, you know, can build new setups as we, you know, see fit. We have a technician that can uh, machine new test setups. And so we've, you know, imagined new ones, built them and used them, you know, over the course of a project lots of times. So you're only limited by your imagination and whatever resources you have available, right? Yeah, uh, we're, we're often limited by the capacity of our overhead crane or, you know, the largest hydraulic cylinder that we have. Uh, but even then, you know, we can use what we know about uh, leverage and mechanics to increase the capacity of our hydraulics by, you know, using a lever arm or whatever, as long as we can fabricate the pieces that we need. And, you know, and, and what you all do is so important to, to infrastructure projects, um, you know, probably not only statewide, but potentially regionally and, and nationwide, because you were talking earlier about how uh, the, the data and the information, the things that you learn here in the lab, um, you end up using those, you end up using that data uh, to make recommendations to, to make changes, right? Right. So, you know, we, as academics, you know, our goal is to learn new things because we like to learn new things and because, you know, no one knows what those things are yet. Right. So we're we're kind of pursuing knowledge almost for the sake of knowledge. But as engineers, you know, we want our knowledge to be used for things. And, you know, most of us sit on, you know, technical committees for code development uh, and things like that. 
Uh, and so we, you know, use the knowledge that we have gained in doing research to try to uh, change how things are done uh, in, say, the concrete industry, uh, you know, to improve the way that bridges are repaired or to, um, you know, improve the way that they're built. And so we try to use that expertise and that data uh, to move forward new technologies, new ideas, uh, or, you know, potentially to fix things we were doing the wrong way for a long time, uh, which, you know, we don't find too many of those, but occasionally it can happen. And I mean, the implications are, are huge. I mean, when you look at the nation's got aging infrastructure that it's going to have to be replaced or updated or upgraded at some point, right? And if you can, in, in your lab, figure out ways to um, extend the life of, of, of infrastructure projects or even, you know, new projects, it certainly makes it, it uh, more cost effective and potentially more safe, right, for the general public. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not, we, you know, I tell people I do research on concrete and they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, you do what? And I, you know, I always tell people, you know, try to get home from wherever we are without using concrete. And it's, it's one of those things that is everywhere that we use to do, you know, anything and is especially, you know, an integral part of the nation's infrastructure. Uh, and, you know, there's always, you know, some problem that needs to be addressed. And, you know, there are a great many faculty studying these problems across the country and working together, you know, we have the ability to address those problems. Right. And you are all looking at each other's research papers and data and, and, and journal articles and everything to, to share that, that, to share that knowledge. Um, you, you were talking about how you tell people that you, you study concrete. And, and I mean, it, it's really amazing because, you know, um, it, it may not touch every aspect of your life, but you probably touch it in every aspect of your life. Right. Like yeah, you don't yeah. think about it because you walk on it. Right. Right. Yeah. Why do you, why do you enjoy the lab here working in this environment? Uh, so I really enjoy working with the students. Uh, you know, you're constantly uh, working with new students, which, you know, as you're trying to accomplish research project objectives can be frustrating at times uh, because you're constantly training the students to run the tests or to collect the data or whatever. Uh, but that's the purpose of our being here. You know, we're here to train students. And so, you know, you're teaching the students as you're doing the work. What other what other projects are you guys working on here? Uh, so I guess it's yeah, generated by the students a lot of times, right? So sometimes it is generated by the students. Uh, my PhD student is working on a project that is, you know, something he's kind of come up with the majority of, you know, the, the research, you know, our working together to identify what's the best approach, you know, but uh, he's looking at uh, rapid setting cement concrete. So concrete that can gain strength uh, in two hours instead of a month uh, and using it specifically for pre-stressed elements. So, you know, if we can gain strength much more quickly, we can potentially increase our production rate. Uh, that's a good thing, right? Uh, but this material also has less shrinkage, less creep, which are, you know, concrete terms for uh, things that reduce our, uh, say, pre-stressing force in a beam uh, and can cause us some design issues over time. 
Uh, and so he's investigating, you know, how that behavior works on a material level so that we can make better predictions to do uh, design of elements with uh, this type of concrete. So it's a, you know, an application where it hasn't been used before. Uh, we're, you know, examining uh, design of ultra high performance concrete connections to make precast beams continuous for live load. Uh, so we did some laboratory tests a couple of years ago. We're doing a project now to take that data into design recommendations. Uh, we're looking at uh, service life design for UHPC link slabs, uh, which are slabs connecting two bridge spans that aren't really intended to make it continuous, but to, uh, say, keep the water out uh, off of the beam ends. Um, you know, I'm working on a couple other projects that are related to UHPC joints uh, right now. Uh, and then uh, I have a student that's working on uh, some different fiber types to use in UHPC, uh, potentially to get better performance or to provide more options for, you know, users of the material. Uh, and then also, you know, we're trying to find ways to reduce the cost, but that's kind of less of an initiative than just trying to get the performance that we need. And, uh, Will you be going back out to Ufala to visit the, the bridge project? Or? Uh, we, we are planning to go back out there uh, at some point, uh, at least to, you know, check on, we'll say, performance of the mock-up as well as to see how the the joints that they've cast come out. Hey, I, I, I really appreciate it. you got a great lab here, and it was I really appreciate you giving me the time to come out here. And Omar, I'm going to uh, finish up with you here in a second. We'll I'll give you a couple minutes to talk about, you know, um, you're, what you're hoping to accomplish in your career as an engineer. Well, I, I appreciate you giving us this opportunity to kind of showcase what we're doing in the lab down here. Uh, and, you know, stay tuned for all the cool things we hope to do in the next few years. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great. And how many students do you typically have come come through your program here? Oh, that's a good in a, question. In a, so, in a semester, maybe. Uh, Man, so I usually have four to six graduate students that I'm working with, usually a few undergraduates. So two, uh, I have two right now. I've had as many as five or six in a semester uh, that work specifically with me. And then, you know, my colleagues that work out here usually have about the same number of students. Uh, so we'll have, you know, 10 to 15 uh, graduate students out here often uh, working. You know, they're not all here at the same time. Uh, and then, you know, several of the undergraduate courses have labs that, uh, do things out here. So our concrete one students come out here and build beams and test them. Uh, our steel students come out here and test some steel connections. Uh, and you know, those classes are 50 to 60 students. Uh, so, you know, we'll have, you know, I would say somewhere between 60 and 80 students that'll be in and out of the lab every semester. Wow. And one last question before I let you go. Um, what would you say to a high school senior or junior or sophomore who's thinking they might want to be an engineer at some point in their life, uh, particularly in, in your field um, or your discipline um, within the field? What would you say to them to consider it or what do they need to do? So that's, that's a good question. And, and what I would say to any high school student is, you know, engineering takes a lot of math and science background. So if, if you think you want to be an engineer, you know, you want to be sure to to take those classes to prepare yourself for success in the program. Because when you, you know, you get into 
the university, you're going to have to take a lot of those classes. Uh, it's kind of the background. Uh, if that's the kind of thing that you really enjoy, so if you like math and science, uh, engineering is probably a good pathway for you to to follow. Uh, and you know, with saying those two things, uh, an engineering degree of any kind is a great thing to have because there's so much flexibility with what you can do. You know, you know, you may get into it and decide, oh, I don't like designing things. Well, maybe you're going to be a manager or a, uh, you know, project manager. Pro- yeah, project manager or be in construction or, you know, start your own company. Like you, you'll have a background that you can do almost anything that you can set your mind to uh, in any engineering discipline. And, you know, being that I'm a civil engineer and then a structural engineer, uh, we're a little bit different than some of the other engineering disciplines because our focus is more on the things that make a society function. So clean water, you know, roads and bridges, uh, you know, structures that people live in. Uh, They are you know, not necessarily as exciting as rockets that are shooting to Mars or, uh, you know, new microchips for iPhones, like all that stuff's very exciting. Uh, But, you know, civil engineers do the things that make people's lives uh, better, but aren't always as obvious. Uh, So, you know, if that's the kind of thing that you enjoy, so, you know, if you want to save the environment, civil engineering is a great field to be in. Uh, if you want to, you know, help people uh, have clean water in other countries, civil engineering is a great, you know, uh, thing to be in. If you want to help people get from place to place, civil engineering is a great uh, discipline to be in. Uh, but any engineering uh, has, you know, great benefits to people uh, and to that student, you know, a solid uh, career path uh, of one way or another. Yeah, you guys are in the business of uh, solving problems and finding solutions to the, the the world's toughest challenges, right? Yeah, I mean that that's honestly a great way to describe engineering. It's you know we're solving problems, and we like to think we're solving the the greatest problems that are out there right now. Yeah, there there are a lot of um, of great people who have have definitely um, kept up and maintained infrastructure that helps make our lives relatively easy uh, in the modern world, right? So thank you again, Dr. Uh, Floyd. I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me and, uh, and talk to the audience and, and let you know, let, it, let them know what you're doing here at the University of Oklahoma. You're welcome. Where in, where in Oklahoma are you from? So I'm, I'm not from Oklahoma, actually. I'm, I'm from Jordan. And it's a country in the Middle East. I don't know if you if you know about it. Uh, it's where we actually have Dead Sea, Petra, you know, the cool stuff back there. And yeah, I came here uh, for my undergrad. And I'm right now currently uh, studying architectural engineering. And this is going to be my last semester before I go to do my master's. So... And and uh, do you intend to go back to Jordan, and or are you gonna stay here in the U.S.? I mean, at some point, yeah, I will. I will definitely go back to Jordan, and it's basically one like one of the reasons why I've been studying engineering, and you know, I'm trying always to kind of go back at some point, try to improve uh, the infrastructure there as a civil or architectural engineer, and 
because you know it's still developing it's a developing country so it's it's very good for me uh, as i kind of want to give back to my society and community to go back and help to see how can i improve the infrastructure the structures and how to even since i'm i've been doing a lot of um repairing stuff how to repair current uh, structures back there in jordan and you'll start your masters here as well yes hopefully. okay and that's like a two-year program right so so i'm, I'm part of the accelerated master's program so it's um it's a year uh, long sometimes it can go it, it can go to like a year and a half instead of a year um so i had that option to do uh, when i was in my junior year i decided that i want to continue my master's because i feel um as an architectural engineer just taking the bachelor is not always enough if you especially if you want to like help in creating new materials new methods in 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 construction so this is when i realized i want to enroll in the accelerated uh, master's program here at ou now why did you want to be an engineer when you were a little kid did you decide or uh, so that's actually kind of um a funny story. At the beginning, I wanted to be an architect. <laughs> so back home, being an architect is basically being an architectural engineer. But then when I came here, I realized that those are two different things, um, which I, I was glad that I, I did architecture engineering because it kind of opened my mind to uh, to the civil engineering industry and and being interested in the structural engineering, because I believe and like the construction industry is growing rapidly uh, these days. And what was Dr. Floyd basically saying about how it's growing rapidly and we always have to find new improvements and development. So uh, trying to find more sustainable methods and materials is basically my long-term goal. And um, as we all know that the climate change is not actually uh, going going any slowly. So it's trying. It's it's us, the civil engineers or engineers in general, to try to find new methods in order to kind of minimize our effect um, to the environment and make sure that we're using more sustainable methods. So this was one of my main reasons why I wanted to be an engineer. What, I mean, when, what, how old were you when you thought? So I was I was in. 11th grade actually when i decided that i want to go into that path and not anything else especially architect like especially especially in the like architectural civil engineering industry this is when i was i was like yeah i want to i want to be i want to be in that field what what are the differences between architectural engineering versus architecture in general so architecture which would they call them architects when they graduate, it's basically more that you actually design the floor plans of the um, of the structure that you're working on, and trying to make it uh, aesthetically pleasing more than the engineers. And it, sometimes it's more focusing on the aesthetics than anything else. And um, there are a lot of like great, like great architects and that's why like Frank Lloyd Wright yeah and Zaha Hadid as um as well so there are a lot of them and they and like when you go around like 
in Oklahoma or even like somewhere else in the States or even internationally, you see all those crazy buildings and crazy shapes, which, which, is, which is very impressive, you know? But then uh, architecture engineering is basically what, what helps to make it happen, you know? Because sometimes you can, you can design some crazy shapes and beautiful shapes, but then are they actually gonna be practical in real life? And that's the main question as architectural, structural engineer, um, we ask ourselves. So uh, this is the main difference. Architectural engineer focuses more on how to make those designs happen. And on the whole structure, such as mechanical aspect of the structure, electrical, um, lighting, and also uh, the structural aspect of the building, of course. So while I've got somebody here from Jordan, yeah. I'd be stupid if I didn't ask what, what, what is the building material typically in Jordan compared to say here in, in, in the United States or Oklahoma in general? You know, you, you'd find it funny. It's, it's quite, it's, it's like, it's quite different actually, because back home we have literally almost no wood structures, you know? So when I came here to the States and I saw all those houses, all those sometimes like big buildings that they actually use wood as a as the main material for 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 that uh, building. I was really surprised, like how actually like how using wood is actually efficient, uh, like in real like in, in life, you know. Because back home we mainly use concrete mm -hmm. and masonry, and that's it. Um, and maybe because we don't have um, enough forests back home uh, to use wood, but yeah, this was the main difference between. Uh, like in terms of materials back home and in the states, and in and in Jordan, I would imagine probably the the type of wood that is available is probably I mean might be great for carpentry, but might not be the best for holding up a house or whatever. Or yeah, basically that's another reason we don't have like that's what we don't have the resources that the United States has in order to be able to design wood uh, structures. So so and I guess even roofs right like the 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 shapes or the 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 um incline yeah so back home <laughs> also, grade, right? yeah, yeah back home most um most like roofs are are almost flat i mean there's obviously some slope for drainage purposes but then they're like flat and that's it but then when i got here they're all like you know those like roofs like the inclined roofs and like all those angles and like even like in terms of talking about like houses uh, structures um it's very very different like here uh, having um having those roofs is very different than what i i was used to back home and um it's a different experience for me obviously and it was kind of it, it was very interesting at the beginning but then once you get used to it right now you can start like kind of like connect to two different kinds of um of of structures you know if that makes sense what about roads um so what do you mean by, do, what about are, roads? is it generally like, the same type of concrete material or oh, no. i know here we use a lot of paving and pavement yeah pavement. so basically back home we we use a lot of asphalt we don't have any concrete roads uh, oh. per se yeah like also here in the highways when i see like some sections with like concrete i'll be like you know, like I've, I've never I've never seen this before. And back home, it's always asphalt. And that's it. That's the main material for roads. Uh, and is it 
relatively flat? Is that part of the reason or is it? No, actually, it's quite the opposite. In, in Jordan, it's not flat at all. Okay. Um, it's a, it has a mountain, a mountainy um, uh, environment. So you can find a lot of uphills, downhills, up and down, up and down. And like, um, that's, that's the difference between Oklahoma, for example. It's quite flat. Um, wherever you go, basically. Well, in your part of the state, it is. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm, I haven't been that exposed oh, yeah. to, to Oklahoma. You need to come out east. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try that for sure. Yeah. Then. <laughs> There's a reason they call it green country. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you had a chance to... Uh, so you were you you um, were out at the Ufala Bridge Project with Dr. Floyd. What, uh, did you, what did you take away from that experience? So... It was a very great experience for me because uh, I started working uh, for Dr. Floyd in January 2021. Um, and I've been dealing with a lot of like projects or like several projects in terms of UHPC. And we analyze them, we test them as well. Um, but I've never seen an application in real life. So uh, when the first time I went with Dr. Floyd to uh, Ufala Bridge, um, project i was i was very interested to see how that material can actually work in real life especially with also uh, like a, a larger volume of uhpc and how how it will how the heat will affect the flowability of the of the concrete and whether it's going to be working in terms of bonding with the with the conventional concrete. So there were like a lot of different aspects in my mind that I wanted to take out of that experience. And it was it was great for me to go there in the mock up in the mock up and also in the first um, uh, cast of the of the of the actual bridge. So those are some of the things that I, I took out of that experience. And hopefully we'll be back also again to kind of uh, oversee and test um, uh, the, the mock-up and see how it's actually behaving in terms of like joints. Yeah, the um, I know the, like, it, you know, in other, in other typically the, prior to this even, um, the bridge was, was tensioned, right? Mm -hmm. So, and now with that, with that UHPC, it, we're, they're not going to have to use that process to, to um, lay those panels and, and connect their pa the panels. So um, that will be pretty interesting to see. Like, I mean, was that the first time you'd seen um, the UHPC as opposed to just tensioning? In, 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 in actual like applications, yes, mm -hmm. this was the first time for me. But then, yeah, that will be very interesting to see and ob observe how it's gonna, you know, behave uh, because as you said, it's going to be basically the only connection between the deck panels. So that will be something interesting to observe. Did you get to take a look at the the sort of the, the skeleton structure below on the other oh, side? Oh, yes. <laughs> that was it. That was very, very interesting as well. Like going and like seeing all those uh, all those different like stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it was fun. It was it was definitely a great experience. Learning experience, especially. Yeah, uh, there's 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 a lot of pretty big dams here in Oklahoma. I mean, some of those. Have you had a chance to visit any of the lakes or any of the other lakes in Oklahoma mm. since you've been here? Yeah, I've been like in Thunderbirds, uh, Hefner, uh, Crystal Lake as well, but mm -hmm. not that many. And Default Lake right now, obviously, <laughs> I can add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, 
what are you, how are you finding? So you've been here four years. Is that about four years? Yeah. Four about years four here. Years. here. You started here as a freshman came in and right out of, right, were you right out of high school or? Uh, yes. Right okay. out of, but I wasn't, I, I had, I did not finish my high school in Jordan. Okay. I finished it in Bosnia. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. And what was that like? Oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, honestly, for me, it was one of the most, um, uh, one of the most beautiful experiences because um, it's an, it's an international school and has different campuses around the world. It's called the United World College. And I lived in Bosnia for two years, finishing my international baccalaureate IB. Um, and in that school, we had more than 60 nationalities and 200 students bodies. So that means that the students were literally from all over the world. So it was it, it was the first time that I got that much of an exposure of um, of different backgrounds and cultures uh, and, you know, collaborating like different projects with other students from the from completely different backgrounds. So how many how many languages do you speak? Me, I, I, I speak two languages, Arabic and English, Arabic and English. Yeah. You didn't learn. What's the language in, in Bosnia? Bosnia? I just learned the basics just because I, I had to deal with, with some locals at some point. So I just learned the most basic stuff. But yeah. <laughs> uh, that's 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 really amazing. So you've traveled quite a bit. Yeah. I've, I've, th th that's also one of the reasons why I got interested more in, in the engineering um, industry and also the architecture. Because like when I when I traveled around and I did like a semester where where I actually went to the, to thirteen different countries in four months, I I saw different architectural styles and how it can actually convey some of the some of the culture of that country and also to to observe uh, the different um, methods that they use in every single country in terms of construction and to see the different infrastructures in each country and how. It's different, for example, than the states as well. So this was this is like this was also one of the other reasons why it got me more interested in being an a structural engineer than any other kind of discipline. Yeah, and and from the part of the world where you grew up, mm -hmm. uh, people travel a lot between the different countries there, right? Between like uh, Jordan and Syria, and and um, I, well, you're close to Iraq, and right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so what are the 13 countries you've been to? Or can you name some of them? <laughs> yeah, Aside can, from Bo uh, Bosnia. Bosnia right? Yeah. So I went to Japan, uh, South Africa. Oh, uh, you, you didn't even drive. You flew. It, it, wasn't, it's not, it wasn't actually <laughs> flying. It was more like on a ship. Okay. Uh, I spent like four months on a ship uh, studying. Um, it was a study abroad program. But then I went to different countries and while we were traveling on the ship we used to study and do all that kind of fun stuff but then yeah i went to japan china uh, ghana south africa morocco um uh, india vietnam Myanmar. yeah wow yeah and southeast asia and asia yeah yeah we covered well. we covered mainly southeast asia very south uh, of africa and then all the way to Europe. So, what were the what were the roads like in Vietnam? Oh, like we went to Ho Chi Minh City. There, the the infrastructure in general was was pretty impressive, to be honest. Like 
the roads were were nice, were flat, and and all the infrastructures for in terms of like bridges, also transportation were very uh, impressive. Honestly, like I did not have any kind of idea before going to Vietnam, and uh, when I went there as an as an engineer, I was looking through. You know, you always look for those kind of stuff whenever you go. Um, it's part of a few at this moment. So it was it was mainly asphalt as well. Uh, I couldn't see a lot of like concrete uh, roads, but then also most of their um, structures, um, concrete and masonry as well. And the wood was very minimum. So that's why I it got me also interested more in like that, like that heavily like the heavy use of wood in the states other than anywhere else so wow that's that's just amazing uh, it's always interesting to meet people who've traveled especially um not i mean and, and you traveled even outside the middle east where you grew up too so i mean that's um that's just amazing so well hey thank you for your time omar is there anything um you would any advice you would give to a student who uh, or uh, someone in high school or uh, or who wants to be an engineer? Um, yeah, I can, I mean, I can try to give an advice. From your experience. Yeah, so um, based from, like, based on my experience, honestly, if, if, if you're good, like, if you're really into science, math, and trying to be a problem solver, and you have good creativity in terms how to solve, um, problems in different ways try to think about engineering as as like any any kind of discipline honestly um, um because it really makes you think on how to improve and develop the world that we live in and it's it's an essential thing to do as as people you know we always try to improve and develop and um more things that engineers do is like like you know in, in like computer science or like mechanical or like civil we always try to find new solutions for every single problem and it's it's it happens throughout your whole career you know first of all you won't get bored of any kind of routine um when you work because you always have different projects with different environments so it will just also again requires a lot of creativity and problem solving skills and I would advise you if you have those those things and and you're ready to have some intense uh, undergraduate experience, uh, go with engineering. And if you're interested to in civil engineering, it's it's even better because this is basically how what, what everything starts. You know, we start everything. We we make it easier for any other engineer to build whatever they want to build, like ships, like you know ships, uh, rockets. Without us. They won't be able to do any of that thing. So, the foundation, quite Basi literally, right? Basically, civil engineers and all its disciplines are the fund, like is the foundation of any other kind of discipline. I mean, my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Omar, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for for sitting down and talking to me and and sharing your story about. Um, that's just that's just outstanding. Hey, have a great day and uh, best of luck at the with your master's program, which is going to be here before you know it, right? Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks again for coming here and like, you know, explore our fears lab.
So. Yeah. And you'll be able to see um, Omar if you watch the YouTube uh, video that we post with this uh, podcast, you'll actually be able to see Omar in there assisting and, and helping out with the, with the project. Thanks again, Omar. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for Core Struction. Core Struction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. To learn more about the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, visit us on the web at www.swt.usace.army.mil. You can find us on most social media sites at USACE Tulsa, all one word. Have a great day.